Father God, thank you that you have given us promises to stand on, and we know that your promises are true uh, yesterday, today, and forever. We thank you for those, and that we can um, have uh, the reality that you um, hold us in your hand, and that uh, one day you are going to return for us, and uh, that we will get to be with you forever. Thank you for uh, just the opportunity to fellowship with fellow believers this morning. I pray that we would be encouraged and challenged in our uh, time of worship here this morning. I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome to Maranatha. Uh, Please greet those around you. Well, good morning and welcome to our services this morning. We are glad you're here worshiping with us, whether you're a a long-time member or a first-time visitor. We want to get to know you if you are, so please uh, introduce yourself to someone around you. And if you want uh, any more information on church, you can talk to myself or Pastor Cody or Pastor Tony. Um, Our first announcement this morning uh, actually uh, has roots all the way back um, of October of 2022, uh, the elder board and pastoral staff went on a retreat, and uh, stemming out of that, we had realized that we needed uh, a stronger focus on discipleship here at Maranatha. So uh, what we had decided to do at that time was to go down to one service. Many of you remember that. We went down to one service and then offered uh, the adult discipleship groups for uh, adults, obviously. So during our Sunday school hour we, that we normally have for Uh, our children and for our youth, we offered a uh, Sunday school type for adults and that went uh, very well. We had a a great success with that and we were excited for that and now going back to two services, um, it's a little harder to sustain with with teachers and different things. Uh, So um, we're kind of uh, closing that chapter a little bit with our adult discipleship groups. Pastor Tony and Michelle will um, be uh, leading um, some of our youth and their parents through some different things, but f- uh, for now, we're going to close that chapter. But with that, we are going to open a chapter uh, here at Maranatha with uh, a small group ministry. So uh, one of the things we want to do is to, we want uh, to disciple each other well. And uh, I hate to tell you this, but uh, three pastors cannot disciple 300 people well for all of them. We can't do it. Um, So we're going to ask many of you to step up and to do that with each other. We're going to ask you to um, perhaps open your home uh, or be willing to facilitate discussion. We're going to be going through, uh, it's a 10-week study. It's called Faith Foundations. It's by David Platt. It's on Right Now Media, which we have access to, and you'll uh, be hearing more of that in the coming weeks. But our goal is for Uh, discipleship to continue Maranatha, to be a strong theme at Maranatha, and uh, to get you guys in the word together as community, because um, we we as pastors and as elders feel a need to continue that strong discipleship sense. That's what we're about here at Maranatha, and we want to continue to give you opportunities to do that. So 
Um, if you are interested in that, Pastor Cody has some sign-up sheets that are going to go uh, all throughout uh, the congregation. And um, if you please um, just give the information there if you're interested in signing up to be in a small group. Also, if you are willing to uh, facilitate or to host at your home, you can mark that down as well. Uh, my wife and I have the privilege of actually being in two small groups currently, and we absolutely love it. We have one that we host on our home uh, for young adults, and then one uh, is hosted elsewhere um, with some uh, not-so-young adults, um, and we absolutely love it. So if you're interested in that, if you want info more information on that, on the study, what's happening, uh, please come talk to myself uh, or Pastor Tony. We're doing our best to kind of lead that up um, in, in a group effort, taking time to do that. So, uh, again, if you have any questions, you can talk to myself or, or to Pastor Tony, and we'll have more information with that in the coming weeks. Our goal is to kind of launch small groups at the end of January. Um, continuing on, uh, you can be praying for our youth as they head to districts next weekend, and I would also encourage you, especially pray for the leaders. Um, I had the privilege to go about two years ago, and um, it was a great time. I, I, I really did enjoy it, but it gave me some insight into um, just the intensity uh, of uh, being in the Word and uh, discipleship that happens there at District. So be praying for youth and be praying for those leaders. Be praying, be praying for Pastor Tony as he doesn't sleep for the next week, uh, especially uh, getting ready for that. And um, just be praying for youth that uh, much good would come out of that as it often does. Also, we for uh, couples, we have a Valentine's banquet coming up in February, and signups for that are, are going on uh, currently uh, online, and I believe there's a sign-up at the welcome desk as well, and if you want uh, more information about that, you can talk to Justin or Nancy Peterson, our men's and w women's ministry group leaders. We had a great time at the Valentine's banquet uh, last year, um, many of you remember that, there'll be uh, a speaker and, and great food and fellowship. Also, uh, Sunday school resumes today for um, our kiddos and for our youth during second service, and we're excited to be able to provide that. And also, uh, Awana is starting up again on Wednesday night, and we ask you to be praying for that. Uh, this year, we are averaging 100 kids at Awana. Um, so, praise God for that, yeah. I would also like to mention that about 50 to 60 of them do not uh, attend this church. So we have a, we have a great impact uh, on our community through that ministry. So um, be praying for that every Wednesday as it comes to your mind. And I want to invite Pastor Cody to come and share the word with us this morning. Thanks, Pastor Aaron. Yeah, what a great ministry that we have with the Awana. And I'm excited about that I have, in fact... Just thinking about it, two of my neighborhood kids go to that that don't go to church, so that's, that's a huge blessing to you. Well, good morning everyone, it's good to be back. I've been gone for two weeks, uh, and it was good to be with family, and it was great to have um, Darren preach and Pastor Aaron preach, and it was great. And then last Sunday I was filling in for another free church pastor who was gone, so it was great to visit another free church and don't worry, they're not looking for a pastor. Someone looked at me like, why were you there? No, 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 I'm helping them out. Well, it's good to be back, and yes. We are now going to move in our large-scale three-part study. We've been doing, we did the book of Mark, what it means to be a disciple, and then Philippians, 
living as a disciple, and then we're going to be getting into the book of Acts, living out what it means to be a witness as a disciple. And before we soon get into the book of Acts, for the next two weeks, what I want to do is look at the study of this great book. And as you know, every, every January, the first Sunday of January, I typically have a sermon set apart just about the Word of God and the importance of the Word of God and delighting in the Word of God and reading the Word of God. And um, as you know, the, the line I say often is, keep your fingers in the Word and your eyes in the prize, which is Jesus Christ. So we as evangelicals, we are Christians who love the Word of God. In fact, when I, I was thinking about it nine years ago when I came as a pastor, my first sermon, like the first month was just on the Word of God. And I remember just getting like, let's get excited about the Word of God. And then someone at the local Christian bookstore in town here was like, someone came in asking, hey, I need to get a Bible. And they're like, oh, you're going to Maranatha. Everybody wants Bibles now. I'm like, yes, it's the way it should be. So in fact, if you could take your Bibles and go to Psalm 19. I'm going to read this before we begin our study today. In fact, I grabbed my Bible that I, I went through the whole Bible one year, highlighting all the sections. I'm like, ooh, I'd love to preach on that. Ooh, I'd love to preach on that. So maybe uh, one of these days, all these red spots, we'll just go through. And... Psalm 19. Oh, this is so good. When I was a little kid, went to a Christian school, and they made us memorize chapters of the Bible each month. And I was like, oh, oh now I'm so grateful. This is one that we memorized. Psalm 19, the first part, talks about God's grand creation and how it's a great display of who he is. But then we get to this special revelation of God, which is the word of God. Psalm 19, starting with verse 7. And he uses different words to talk about the Bible. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them your servant is warned, in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I'll be blameless and innocent of great transgression. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my rock, my strength, and my redeemer. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is true. And we thank you that we so readily have the word. And I'm not embarrassed, but it's almost embarrassing that I have over 40 Bibles in my office. We lift up different Christians, missionaries, and pastors who don't have access to the Word. 
I pray for those Christians that we call, it's called the 1040 window. I pray that they would be able to get the word of God as they have much of it memorized. And I pray that today you would guide us as we get a desire and a passion to be in your word again. This I pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, so what we're going to do today and then next week is we're going to look at the Bible. And what I want to do this week is why study the Bible, why get in the Bible. And then next Sunday, we're going to look at how to get, how to study and how to get more into the Bible. Because often we don't have a desire to read the Word of God every day or, or have, have a plan. And then often we find people that don't know how to interpret Scripture. And we're taking two weeks to do this. Before we get in the book of Acts, in fact, I'm going to be covering some of Acts, just kind of peppering different verses, and we'll do more of that next week on how to study the Bible as we go through this, because for, for two reasons. Number one, to prepare us for the study of Acts, we need to understand what we are reading. So take your Bibles and go to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, and I had... Psalm 19 highlighted in red, so it's kind of hard to read, and this is also highlighted in red, so it's going to be hard for me to read here. Should have done it in maybe yellow or something. Acts chapter 8, starting with verse 27. It's talking about Philip. So he started out on his way, and on his way he met the Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, this is Acts chapter 8, now at verse 28. On his way home, he was sitting on his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. Here's his response. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And the eunuch was reading a passage of Scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and then he goes on. We'll cover that as we go through the book of Acts. So here's a guy reading Scripture, and he doesn't really understand what's going on here. And it's important that we do that as we go through Scripture, and especially in the book of Acts, we need to understand what we are reading. The book of Acts itself is a historical narrative which, much, with, which has much theology. And I'll say this a couple of times, what we're going to go is as we go through the book of Acts, I've taken... Honestly, I've taken more time preparing for this book than I have any other book that we've gone through here at church. It's going to be, it was kind of complicated for me because as you know, the Acts is 28 chapters. It took me two and a half years to do five or six chapters one year. I, in one book, it's not going to take that long. We're going to do it in a year and a half. But what we're going to do is we're going to cover sections at a time, but we're also going to cover the theology. And we'll see that Acts is full of theology. Luke wants to communicate theology. And we need to understand what we're reading. Secondly, we need to follow the best practices of biblical interpretation. Let me say it again. We need to follow the best practices of biblical interpretation. In fact, take a look at where you're at if you haven't closed your Bibles at Acts chapter 8. Notice I skipped the first verse of that paragraph. Anybody notice that? Like he's jumping in the middle. Okay, maybe not. Now listen to this. 
Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Wait a second. Do angels talk like that? I don't even know. But notice how it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go this way to the Gaza Strip, and then he goes. How many of you listen to angels? Anybody? Let's see your hands. Okay, let me ask this question. Are angels real? Raise your hand. Can angels communicate with us? Raise your hand. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Well, some people, if they don't have maybe the best practices of <clears throat> biblical interpretation, they can be like, guess what? Angels speak to us. And maybe they had a rough meal during New Year's Eve, too much shrimp, and they're not feeling good. They had a bad dream. That was an angel. I don't know. Do we follow the will of God spoken to us by angels? Well, if we look at the book of Revelation, how did the communication to John was that given? Through an angel. Well, he was, you know, that's different. He's one of the apostles. So we got to figure this out. What's the best way to interpret that? Or listen to Acts 14.22. And there's many. I, I, there's, like, there's like 15 passages. You can almost look at any chapter in the book of Acts after Acts chapter 8 and see there's persecution. There was tons of persecution, stoning, people getting killed after they proclaimed the gospel. So someone might say, honestly, the only real way to preach the gospel is knowing if you get persecuted. So the only way that you truly can preach the gospel is if there's persecution, I would disagree with that, but some people may interpret it that way. Or Acts 19. In fact, go to Acts 19.6. Let's go there. Acts 19.6. The book of Acts follows many people, many characters, and we're going to talk a lot about that in a couple weeks. What's the focus of the book of Acts? The first part of the book of Acts is Peter, a lot of Peter. The last book, part of the book of Acts is a lot of Paul. In fact, the last part, half of it is Paul and all he's doing, and then from like chapter 19 and following, it's just a lot of courtroom hearings and trials, and it's interesting. So here's Paul. Look at verse 6. When Paul placed his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied, and there were about 12 in all. In fact, if you read this little section here, people come to the Lord, and it seems like there's a two-part conversion. There's one part where they come to the Lord, and they're converted, but then there's another part, and uh, now they've got to speak in tongues. And How do we interpret that stuff? In fact, some people, when they read this passage, say this, you're not a Christian unless you speak in tongues. Well, that's how they interpret that. We need to follow the best practices of biblical interpretation. Are all the details of each story to be prescribed? Or are they just a normative of what's happening in that situation? Or do we follow every aspect of it? For instance, Luke wrote... Acts, as we will study this more later, Luke also wrote the Gospel of Luke. In Luke chapter 2, Mary put Jesus in a what? Manger, okay? 
And then in Luke 11, <clears throat> 7, they talk about, a, about putting a baby in a crib. Someone might go, oh, guess what? Jesus was in a crib, so if you don't put your baby in a crib, you're not like Jesus. Never put your baby in your bed. How many of you parents at least once put your baby next to you in your bed? I did. Well, you're not being like Jesus. He was put in a crib. So, again, <clears throat> people can have wrong understandings. Every detail do we need to follow? Where does it, and here's our questions that we will be asking. Where does it fall in the plan of redemptive history? And we will cover more of this next week as we talk about how to study the Bible. Also, we as a church want to get you excited about reading the Bible. This is the foundation to our heritage as Protestant evangelicals. In a, in about, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to cover kind of church history. Why we're Protestants? Why we're evangelicals? What does that all mean? Where does that land on the map compared to Catholics or Orthodox, or Orthodox Christianity? And for us as Protestant evangelicals, we as a church fall in the conservative area, not the liberal area in that category. When it comes within evangelical range, liberals may say that the Bible is not always accurate when it comes to matters as history, science, or lifestyle. Whereas I would disagree. On the contrary, when it comes to the Word of God, we believe that the Word of God is without error and all that it affirms, right? And is useful for those areas of science, lifestyle, where it pertains to that. The Bible alone, the Bible in its entirety, is the Word of God and therefore is true in all that it affirms. In fact, I've got written up here, this is part of our statement of faith as the Evangelical Free Church. We believe that God has spoken in the Scriptures, both Old and the New Testaments. Through the words of human authors, as the verbally inspired Word of God, the Bible is without error in the original writings. The complete revelation of His will for salvation and the ultimate authority by which every realm of human knowledge and endeavor should be judged. And therefore, I love this part, it is to, be, it is to be believed in all that it teaches, obeyed in all that it requires, and trusted in all that it promises. That is what we believe as evangelicals. So what I want to do today is give you a few words to encourage you on why to study the Bible, why to get in the Word of God, why to keep your fingers in the Word and your eyes on the prize, which is Christ. So this year, I encourage you to commit to the Word of God, reading it daily. Commit is the Word. Set a goal in your life to get into the Word of God, to read it every day. That doesn't mean you have to read chapters at a time. Some of you maybe have a busy life. You're a single mom. You've got three little kids running around. You don't have time to read chapters and chapters. Read a little chunk. In fact, many Christians take the beginning of the new year to have a Bible plan. And this is beneficial so you can kind of be like, here's where I'm at, here's where I read. And this will also help you connect to what we're going to be teaching on Sundays as we go through the book of Acts. I'm not just going to read only the book of Acts. We look at the whole counsel of God, especially when we look at theology. We're going to be looking at Old and New Testament. To help you, we've got a few different ways to help you get into the Word of God. So the first one is, I don't even know how to do this, but we've got a, something here. So here's a Bible plan. 
I encourage you, now that we've got smartphones and smart watches, and mine's just a simple one with these two little hands and a red one that goes click, click, click. Get online. There's multiple Bible programs. Here's one of them. I had Pastor Aaron, he's smarter than I in this area, said, find me an easy one to do. So I would encourage you the Bible in a year. You can have it on your phone. You'll be able to read through it. It's there. So I encourage you to do that. Get it online. The next one is maybe you want to read the whole Bible in a year. So what we've got is I've got two of these. I had all these out on the table and it was confusing, so I only put these out. So grab one of these if you want. This is a nice little slim one. You can put it in your Bible. It folds out. You can, you know, just mark off every time that you've read a chapter or the section you're supposed to read. This is a nice, easy, simple one. But also, I've got another one from the Navigators. The Navigators, man, I wish I would have, you know, if I would have went to a secular university, I would have definitely jumped in with the Navigators. They got some great Bible stuff. Here is the Navigators. They've got this. You can put this in your Bible. Read through the Bible in one year. So this, I'm gonna, as I leave, I'm going to put this on the table also. So you have the little one. These are, these are the same concept. Read through the Bible in one year. Grab one of these, if you would, on your way out. But that's a little daunting and overwhelming to read the Bible in one year. It's, it's a lot. So maybe you just want to read through the New Testament in a year. And I'm fine with that. So we've got this 5 by 5 by 5 which a few years ago we handed out. Take five minutes a day and take only five days a week. That way on Saturday and Sunday you can kind of meditate on what you just read. So you don't have to do it every day and read piles and piles and hours and hours. Weekends are set aside for reflection and other reading. And then they offer five different ways to go deeper by underlining, by summarizing what you read, by asking questions, by saying, do I understand what this is? And lastly, what should I do based upon what I just read? So this five by five, I'm going to put out there also. This is a great one. I encourage you to try the five by five one. So we want you to get in the, <clears throat> the word of God. In fact, the youth group is doing not the same thing, but they often read the Bible. Here's what I, I, I asked Tony to give me a paragraph, and here's what he said. Each month, the youth group completes a Bible reading challenge. Sometimes it's guys versus girls. Sometimes it's high school versus middle school. Trust me, I've got a high school and a middle school, and there's a battle in our house when that's happening. Sometimes it's a variety of ways. Each month, the challenge was to read at least five minutes a day. That was one month. As many as, as, as five minutes a day, as many consecutive in a row. Another month was focused on reading the entire book of Revelation. Another one was reading as many verses as you could. That was like a year ago, and they had a challenge about it. The hope, Pastor Tony wrote down, is to use the competition and creativity to encourage youth to get their fingers in the Word and develop a habit of reading and applying God's Bible. So I encourage you, get into God's Word. That's what we want you to do. Commit to the word of God daily. Number two, delight in the word of God. Take your Bibles and go to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. The book of Psalms has 150 chapters broken down into five different books. In each book, book within the book of psalms that we have has a particular focus and all of it is a response 
almost to chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1, blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. And then verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight. And our desire as a church is that you would delight in the Word of God. And that's why maybe the one-year Bible program is too much. Because you're like, I just, it feels like a duty to me. i got to get it done. Maybe just do the 5x5x5 five by five by five New Testament one. So you can slow down little sections and delight in it. And the Bible contains the great story the hope that we have found in Christ. So delight in it. When we delight, it fills our appetites. I love that. It fills <clears throat> our appetite, which we want growth. Listen to this out of 1 Peter 2.2. Like newborn babes crave pure spiritual milk. Now I've had four children and I know what it's like when they're little and they're hungry. For some reason, they didn't have my time schedule. Three in the morning, they had this little alarm saying, I'm hungry, and crying. And I'm like, oh man, here we go again. Babies desire it. I love that. It says, I like how he says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. They have this appetite, and we should have an appetite for the word of God. Listen to what it says here. So like newborn babes crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your spiritual salvation. When we had our first baby, Pastor Eldon Carlson from Bloomer, Wisconsin. Anybody know Pastor Eldon? I should have him come and preach sometime. Guy's awesome. How many of you have seen these? at different places at sawmills around Wisconsin. They got these on the side. You're like, take a bundle for like five bucks. Are these just called slabs? I don't know what they're called. Yeah, just slab, you know, yeah. They've milled. This was oak here, and he grabbed this, and he sanded it down, and we got all these hash marks. What are these hash marks for? See how tall the kids are growing. How many of you did it like on maybe the side of the wall, then you move, you can't take it? We've taken this to every house that we lived in. And here we are. Look at this, growing up here, growing up here, and I even noticed this one. Where's this one? Where's... So here's Kaelin at 16, and here's Grace at 12. Uh-oh, there's a difference. Yeah, okay, I won't talk about Autumn. She's our shortest one. She would be embarrassed. But this measures our growth. But I noticed something about Grandma Nana. She's five foot tall, Right? In fact, she's about right here on me. Let me guess if that's about five foot. Yep. That, oh, right there. Because I can put my arm on my mom's head right there. There's my mom. Did she stop growing when she got, let's say, I don't know, 60? Well, she didn't stop growing. She just grew in a different way, right? Maybe, oh, I don't know. Just kidding. Okay. We want to keep growing and growing and growing. Even though it seems like we stop and then... I think Grandma Nana shrunk half an inch, so now she's even below, four, she's below five feet. Our goal is that you would continue to grow and grow in your spiritual walk. Notice it doesn't say, as babies desire and have this appetite for spiritual milk, that you would just have knowledge. Uh-uh. It's not about knowledge. Knowledge is important, but it's about spiritual growth. 
My desire would be that you memorize Romans chapter 8. Not just you can just check it up and go, oh, I got that down. Know that you would grow in your spiritual walk because of Romans 8. Don't stop growing, even though you feel like, I've been here so long, Pastor Cody, I've been a Christian longer than you've been alive. You can continue to keep growing in different ways. The Bible is the main tool for your spiritual growth. Do you hear that? The Bible is the main tool for your spiritual growth. And that's why we as a church want to get you into the Word of God daily and have Bible studies where you study the Word of God and get into that. Here's a line I wrote down. You can look at bread all day long. But if you don't eat it, you will starve and waste away. Keep your fingers in the Word. Delight in the Word of God. Number three, meditate on the Word of God. Notice how it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Then the last part, and on his law he meditates day and night. Day and night. Or Psalm 119, 97. Oh, how I love your law. How many of you like laws? Well, I do. I'm a Christian. I meditate on it all day long. Let me talk a little bit about biblical meditation. For the world, and I would say even false religions, meditation is the emptying of your mind to reach a certain type of what they would call peace or nirvana or some kind of bliss that they would want. They empty their minds and they get a pseudo-peace. That's what I would call it. It's not real. That's what meditation is for many people. And that can be found in a variety of ways. That has nothing to do with the biblical concept of meditation. The biblical understanding of meditation is not the emptying of our minds, but it's the filling of our minds with God's word. Saturate your minds. Soak in it. In fact, the study that we're going to have you guys get involved in by David Platt, he's got a little section. He's, he talks about the word of God in a couple places, but one of the areas he says, not just reading the word of God, but soaking in it. And again, you know my example, I've used this before, I like coffee. In fact, yesterday for Dan's funeral that we did in Bloomer, um, at, at the church they had a meal, not as good as the meal we have here, but anyways, we had a meal there, and I went up to the lady and said, can I get a coffee? She said, what kind? I said, black, like I like my Bible covers, black, you know, that's my, no one laughed at that, okay, all right, anyways. So I got it black, and I like the kind of coffee that you drink, and the real test is, if you spit five minutes later and it's still brown, that was good coffee, right? It soaks so much. Don't go around the church spitting, please. That, that, that we, Rachel cleans up, does a great job. We don't need her cleaning up your spit. But drink coffee, then a couple minutes later, if you spit on the snow and it's brown, yeah, I'll have more of that kind of coffee. That's the word of God. You want it to read it, soak it in your mind. So that way, five minutes later, when you speak, you're giving truth, strengthening, encouraging, comforting others. That's the beauty of God's word. That's biblical meditation. So we encourage you. My desire is that you commit to, you delight in, but you meditate on God's word. 
In fact, I would encourage you, when you open the Bible, the first thing isn't like, what do I got to get done? It's not about duty, it's about delight. Open the Word and go, okay, Lord, whatever you want done, I'm yours. So I always pray before I read. I go, okay, Lord, I know I got to get this done, but whoa, what do you want to get done in me? The main reason God gave us his word is not just for information, but that we would know him and grow in him. And we should get like those slabs of wood, just start measuring where is our spiritual growth and ultimately seeing the beauty of Christ. The last word, submit to the word of God. Submit to the word of God. Psalm 119.20 My soul is consumed with a longing for your rules at all times. Last week when Darren gave the message out of the book of Psalms, one of my favorite lines he said, and he, said, he didn't say it like this, but basically, worship is, let me remember, obedience. Worship is Obedience. Submit to the word of God. Be a student of God's word and submit to it. Know and apply the word of God. Act upon what you read, especially when it's a mirror to your heart and you go, "Uh uh-oh, I've got to change. Yes, you do, to be more like Christ. As our minds engage with truth, our hearts will respond with worship, praising him, but also in the right actions. And you'll see this in many of the sermons that we give here. He is the main focus. Keep your eyes on Christ. And it's my job as a pastor to expound upon his word, to dive into his word, that you would come to see the beauty of God and then worship him, not just in song, but in how your feet walk and how your lips move and how your hands respond to others often i have people when i talk about the word of god i have them right in the top oh this is my bible here uh i say what does this tell me about god that should be the first question you should ask what does this tell me about god so when you read a passage you go okay what does it tell me about god oh, god's holy Ooh, i better straighten up here okay god is just yep oh god's a god of grace what is number one what does this tell me about god and then secondly the next question we should ask What do I need to do about the truth I just read? Because many of us like to go, I know about God, I can tell you about God, about how great he is. But we forget about the second question. What do I need to do about this truth? You're going to find this out when we go through the book of Acts, and I'll explain this later more in detail, but we're going to every other week cover a historical Christian figure within church history. I've got about 50 people we're going to look at. One of them may be R.A. Torrey, who is D.L. Moody's kind of right-hand man, secretary, you could call it. Here's what he says. You may read many books and go to many conventions. You may have your all-night prayer meetings and pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. But unless you keep in constant and close association with the one book the Bible, you will have no power. And if you've ever had any power, you will not maintain it except by the daily, earnest, intense study of 
that one book. Love this here. 99 Christians in every hundred are merely playing at Bible study. And therefore, 99 Christians in every hundred are mere weaklings where they could be giants, both in their Christian life and service. So again, why study the Bible? To help you, to help you be mature, to help you go out, submit to God's Word, and be effective in God's Word. Colossians chapter 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I love that one. And again, talking, I want to encourage you as we get to these studies, this faith foundations, David Platt says to share, to show, and teach his word. That's what we're going to be pushing you to do. So let's end with a Bible passage. 2 Timothy, so grab your Bibles, 2 Timothy. If you get to Hebrews, you've gone too far, 2 Timothy. Or it's quicker just to go to the beginning of your Bible. I'll tell you what page it's on. 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 15. Now, verse 16, I think most, uh, yeah, every evangelical preacher, we've got verse 16 memorized. We've used it as we defended for our license to be ordained or whatever. We, we, this, is, this is the verse, verse 16. But often we forget verse 15 and 17. Again, verse 16, so oh, that's, that's, that's one of my verses. But listen to this. In fact, let's, let's go to verse 14. I always like to read a little bit more. Context is important. In fact, let's start with Genesis. Just kidding, okay. But as for you, so, so here Paul is encouraging this young pastor, Timothy. It's going to be rough. It's going to be tough. But here's what you need to do. Here's how you need to defend for the faith. So here's what he says. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you've known these things that you've learned, and, and these are things from infancy, it says there in the next verse. That's why I love our church. We are all about having age-appropriate teaching for our kids. I love it that we've got our kids over next door, right? Thank you for many of you that volunteer. I love that we've got a one over 100 kids. 50 of them don't even go to our church. Some of them don't even go to any churches. We want to ground them in the Word early. Verse 15, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Oh, and here's verse 16. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, and correction, and training in righteousness. So that... Verse 15 and 16 ends with, so that, look at verse 17, so that the man of God might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, we don't just read the word of God so we can go, oh, I know about God and now I've got salvation now. Yeah, that's all truly important. But it just doesn't end like, I'm saved, check, all right, now I'll just hang out and have a Christian country club. No, it's so that the man of God might be thoroughly equipped to do that great work that he's called you to do as a witness. And we will see that in the book of Acts.
So our encouragement is this as I close. Read God's word. Keep your fingers in the word. Eyes on the prize, which is Christ. Delight in it. Commit to it. Meditate. And if you have to, be a Bible sniffer like I am. Memorize little sections or big sections. As we come to know the beauty of Christ and submit to his word. What we're going to do is this. We're going to do communion today. And I'm excited to do communion because it reminds us again, because I easily forget the beauty of what he did for me. We have an